Not so much a sermon as a a few thoughts on this the day after when we think it's all over. We really have over these last three days and hopefully over the course of Advent soaked ourselves in these carols and that's good. I think as the commercial world extend Christmas, you know the way now at the end of the summer or certainly Halloween you start to see Santa arrive, that as we have extended the commercial end of it, maybe the church have reacted against that and maybe squeezed it in. And so hopefully in Fitzroy, we will take Advent as when it's from and when it's to. And as I've already prayed today that I am the secondary of Christmas for all year round because there are truths here that I don't think we should contain to maybe a week or two weeks or even Advent of the year. But let's think a few thoughts. We have been singing joy to the world. We were singing last night, and I don't think I ever got it right with Richard how long the Gloria was and Gloria in Excelsis. We've been coming to adore him most of those services, and rightly so. It's a time of great joy, good news to all nations. It's an amazing moment. And yet, I guess for those of us who watched the Nativity this week, and I still, like Dave was saying on uh, Christmas Eve, I haven't seen the last one yet, so don't tell us what happens. Um, But if you've been watching that Nativity, and Stanley said something to me yesterday morning, a few weeks ago, Somebody put up on Facebook about how we felt the last X Factor had just gone a little bit too old for the family audience that it should have. And somebody on Facebook just put something up very quickly and said, let's just say something about it. And I think at the middle of last week, they had some like 2,500 complaints about that particular X Factor show. And that's good. But as Stanley said to me yesterday morning, when the BBC do something as really good as the Nativity... Why let us not all get out there and say, thank you, well done, we want more of this. And I think those of us who watched the Nativity, and we've seen some of it, we, the last one recorded, and then we watched the movie, which is similar in some ways to what the BBC did. You find in that, in the midst of all this joy and good news and carol singing, that this was not an easy season or an easy time in history. If it's Mary's almost being stoned because of what God has done for her, and we looked at that back at the start of Advent when we looked at Mary, the scandal of it, having to live with that scandal, Joseph having to come to terms with, for no intents and purposes of his own, being wrapped up in this scandal, It's not an easy time. I think I said maybe last Christmas that being from Ballymena and needing to get everything biblical, when we were nearing the time for Caitlin's birth, I hired a donkey and a wee stable outside Dublin. I said to Janice, get on it, girl. We need to do this the biblical way. And she wasn't a bit up for it, being a city girl. It can blunt the biblical core, I think 
and we went to hospitals with doctors and all kinds of drugs, and it's really not the biblical way. And we laugh because the truth of it is, this was not the place for Mary in her teenage years to give birth. And as I said that Sunday morning, I think John Bell, who was doing um, Christmas with these inner-city Glaswegian women, and asked them what came out of the story for them, the majority of them said she was away from her mother when she gave birth. Wow. What you might learn if you take the Scriptures to those who see it afresh. This was not an easy time for Mary or Joseph. And it didn't get any better after the birth. You're thinking we've got away from Nazareth. We've had this baby born. It's alive. And then another dream appears. More confusion. You need to get out of here because Herod is coming with his death squads. Actually, in the midst of the joy to the world and the Gloria and all the other carols that we sing, this is a treacherous, dangerous drama. The innocents were lost. I wrote a poem a few years ago that tried to capture the idea of the innocents saying, we died in his place. Would he die in our place? Right there in the poem, in the drama, in the script of these early chapters of the Gospels, we have all of what's going to come next. So as we look ahead out of this messy, indeed bloody, confusing, scandalous drama, what does it say for us? I go back to David's, David's song. David's song called Mary's song that he's been singing to us and I've been quoting this last season. And the Mary song that Caroline first and then David sang for us on Friday night, he sings about Mary. There was nothing promised that is easily imagined. And questions of the future leave me puzzled and concerned. I don't know where tomorrow leads, but his grace today is all I need. There's nothing promised that is easily imagined. That was Mary's experience. That was Joseph's experience. There are questions about the future and they leave us puzzled and concerned. The Pope on his um, Radio 4 Thought for the Day talked about God surprising us. If we are comfortable in our Presbyterian congregations of knowing how we're going to tell God it's going to be for us, then we've got it wrong. When I was in college, at that particular time, there was a lot of pressure from peers to where you might go theologically. And I don't know what went wrong, but I escaped out round the edges. But one of the big words that got you in was sovereign God. Two words, but sovereign. 
And really the sovereign that they held was the sovereign of our Presbyterian reformed way. We have it. You're sovereign. You're in control the way our theology tells us you're in control. And that was 100% the wrong definition. Because sovereign means he's in control. And we're not in control. That God will surprise us. And indeed, perhaps shock us. He shocked Richard Dawkins. Dawkins' response to the Pope being on the radio was that repugnant idea that blood needs shed for forgiveness. Well, it's maybe a disturbing idea. It's maybe a surprising idea to one as intelligent as Richard. But he's not in control. And sometimes the promise is not easily imagined, Richard. And it's wonderful from your transcendent English spirituality of the 21st century that you share that with us because as I look at England, everything seems to be spiritually going well under Richard's sovereign control. I don't think. But you know what disturbs me most? And I've said it before and I'll say it again. The reading that David read, did you get that disturbing line? Herod was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. The next bit we keep out of our nativities. These death squads coming because Herod was determined that he was sovereign. That he was going to remain in control even though he had the truth and the theologians were telling him that the Magi might be right and that the Messiah that we'd waited for for 400 years in the last carol might have just arrived. He was determined to hold on to his controlling sovereign power. And it disturbs me because we are Herod. We have the truth. We even have theologians, not at the front, but sitting among us. We are the ones with this faith that's been handed down. We have all the clues to what the truth of the season is. How do we use it? Earlier in the year, earlier in the term, I was quoting from my favorite band over the Rhine, 80% angel, 10% demon, and the rest is hard to explain. And some have come and said, demon, strong? Well, maybe it got back to them because their new album, which is just out next week, it says this, all my friends are part saint and part sinner. We lean on each other. We rise above. We're not afraid to admit we're still beginners. We're all late bloomers when it comes to love. And maybe that's easier to come to terms with than the 80% angel and the 10% demon. Personally, the demon within me is much easier to recognize than the angel. I should be so egotistical to think that there might be angel in here. But that other way they've put it, all my friends are part saint 
and part sinner. We lean on each other to rise above. We can live with that. And here's what I would say about this truth. That when the part saint gets it, it can transform the world for good. But when the part sinner gets it, it can be the most horrendous thing in our lives and in our churches and in our nation. We need to really critique what we are doing with this truth. It's about giving up control and coming under God's sovereignty. And that, I've learned from this, is dangerous. Are we up for the danger? Are we up to be feather rufflers, pavement breakers, status quo upsetters and hackers? Is that what Presbyterianism has seen as? When we left home this morning, did our neighbors say, there are the subversive revolutionaries, a way to change the world? Or did they say, bless them, they're away for another wee feely wheely sing? How have they done it three times in a row? This story brings us good news of great joy. But the bringing of that great news of good joy and that peace on earth is going to be dangerous for all of us if we live it from here. Everything about us will be askew, amiss, and out of kilter. We think it's all over. It's just beginning. And what we get in this early beginning in Matthew 2 is that whatever we do with this baby, it's going to be dangerous. But let me finish with the other side. It's not easy as a pastor or as a member of the congregation, as I know you do, to go into the mature home at the moment. And to go in on Christmas Eve and try and bring Christmas into the situation that they're in at this moment was beyond difficult. I wrestled with it. How do I talk about good news of great joy? How do I talk about peace on earth at a time when that family is going through what they're going through? And yet, I was talking to Philip about the nativity and he'd said about that scene where Jesus was born in the nativity. And he said it moved him because in the midst of all that they're going through, belief shone into their situation. And that's what we need to get our strength from as we move on. I was driving down Maryville this week, Scarryville at the minute actually. It's the street that you want to avoid. But as I was driving in late one night, you just could see at the corner of the road the ice glistening off whatever light was above it. And it was beautiful. It was like sparkling in the midst of the danger 
there was something beautiful sparkling out something. In the middle of the freeze, there was something transcendent to reach out for. In the middle of the darkness, there was something glistening with heaven. And that's this baby too. In the midst of the danger and the treachery of our way forward, in the midst of all that we're going to suffer as well as rejoice in as a family in 2011, there is good news of great joy. Because before the Matiers knew where they were heading, God had come to bring deep peace. Maybe not immediately, but certainly in time. So my friends, part saint, part angel, Will we take these truths and lean on each other to rise above it? Will we admit we're only beginners? Late bloomers? And take the truth of this incarnation and be this word made flesh wherever God leads us in 2011. Let's pray. Lord, we have no idea what next year will bring for us. And we know that the promises you've given us really do need some imagining. And that at times we're confused and asking questions. Always part saint and always part sinner. Leaning on each other to somehow, by your grace and your spirit, rise above. Lord, it's not all over. It's only just begun. And we pray that you'll bind us together as a community and that you will take us into the unknown of your leading and your sovereign guiding next year to find that glistening truth in the midst of a world that's dark with lies and disillusionment. Lord, help us to be ready for the dangers. But in the midst of the danger, find God become human at the heart of all we do. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.